from Hollywood, I'm Martin Grove, welcoming you to our Screen Dollars podcast, Box Office Autopsy. Right now, we'll look at the movie marketplace and analyze how things are going and where they're going sharing some opinions from my perspective after decades of talking about Hollywood on CNN Entertainment Tonight and as a Hollywood Reporter columnist. Hollywood wasted another weekend, holding back on wide openings until that Goldilocks moment arrives with no tentpole competition or pandemic fears. That left Warner Brothers and DC's The Batman an open track in Weekend 3 to hold on to first place with $36.8 million off only 45% brings its domestic cume to just over $300 million, comparing well with third weekend cumes for pre-pandemic episodes like The Dark Knight, nearly $394 million in August 2008. The Dark Knight Rises, about $354 million in August of 2012. Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, almost $297 million in April 2016, and Justice League, just over $197 million in December of 2017. After three weeks, the Batman's also done just over $598 million internationally. That brings the worldwide cum to just over $898 million. The Batman's much-anticipated China debut ran into unexpected problems this weekend as about a third of China's theaters closed due to recent COVID outbreaks. That sizable closure was expected to cut ticket sales for the film by up to two-thirds. Throughout the pandemic, China's been the top global film market, so this is definitely not good news for Warner Brothers and DC. Despite the Batman's strength, it's clear there's room in the marketplace for films targeted to other demos. This weekend hammers home that point, with an overperforming opening for Crunchyroll and Toho Animations. PG-13 action fantasy Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, which placed second with $17.7 million at a very wide 2,286 theaters. Exhibs were projecting just 4 to $5 million. Clearly, there's an underserved audience for Japanese anime, and they responded impressively without Omicron fears. Also, it helps to have a 100% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 98% audience score that tells us word of mouth will be favorable. Other specialty launches this weekend weren't as fortunate. Exhibs thought A24 and Bronze R-rated horror thriller X, starring Jenny Ortega, and Sony and Raimi Productions R-rated supernatural thriller Uma, starring Sandra Oh, would be neck and neck with three to four million dollars. 
They were right about X, which opened fourth to 4.4 million. Uma, however, struck out with just $915,000, placing 11th. X is 96% fresh with critics on RT, but its audience score of 78% doesn't suggest great word of mouth. Critics hated Uma with 29% on RT, while audiences were a dismal 55%. Focus Features and Film Nation's R-rated crime drama The Outfit, starring Mark Rylance, underperformed opening 8th to just $1.5 million. Exhibitors figured a mediocre 2 to $3 million. We can't blame the critics, who were 91% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. With an audience score of 94%, word of mouth should be good, but not enough people have seen Outfit for it to matter. Next week, we'll finally bring some studio product to inject new life in the marketplace, starting with Paramount's PG-13 action-adventure The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe, and Brad Pitt. Exhibs are thinking $20 million plus, but Hollywood handicappers are higher with 20 to $30 million. April 1st will bring Sony and Marvel's PG-13 action-adventure Morbius starring Jared Leto. Exhibs are projecting 40 million plus, and the tracking suggests a very healthy plus. April 8th will bring Paramount and Original Films PG animated and live action adventure Sonic the Hedgehog 2 starring Jim Carrey. Exhibs are looking for 40 million plus. Also speeding into theaters April 8th, Universal and Bay Films R-rated action crime drama Ambulance from Transformers director Michael Bay, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Exhibs are figuring 15 million plus. This sudden surge of top-shelf product should liven things up at the box office just as moviegoers are forgetting about the Oscars. After a seemingly endless awards season leading to March 27th's Oscar telecast, getting back to the realities of movies audiences actually will pay money to see should make for a happy spring. As for the awards contenders, let's turn on our Oscar Outlook Spotlight. Saturday night brought an upset victory for the Apple TV Plus drama Coda at the 33rd Annual Producers Guild Awards. Netflix's The Power of the Dog had emerged earlier this season as the front-runner in Oscar's Best Picture race, after scoring wins from BAFTA and the Critics' Choice Awards, plus a DGA win for director Jane Campion. Winning the PGA is typically a big help with Oscar, as there's a close correlation between how these groups vote. The preferential voting system used by both the PGA and the Academy works to the advantage of films that are widely liked versus really loved by a small voting bloc. 
In the past 32 years, the PGA winner has matched with Oscar's Best Picture winner 22 times. In just the past 13 years, only three films have won the PGA and not wound up winning the Academy's Best Picture award. Those exceptions were The Big Short in 2016, La La Land in 2017, and 1917 in 2020. It's worth noting all three exceptions were in recent years, suggesting, perhaps, that as the Academy's membership has expanded for diversity purposes, with many more international members added, there may be less Oscar correlation now with the PGA. Coda previously won the SAG Award for Best Cast, showing the Actors Branch, the Academy's largest voting block, supports it. Recent buzz positioned Coda as power's most powerful competition. Saturday's PGA win gives Coda the edge now to win Oscar night. The other PGA award that Oscar marketers keep a close eye on is Best Animated Feature, which went to Disney's Encanto. This scene from Encanto is a good reminder of why it's so well-liked. Why coffee's for grown-ups. Might be a bad mom, her mood affects the weather. When she's unhappy, while the temperature gets weird. Might be a Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. They say he saw the future. One day he disappeared. Oh. And that's why mom Vietta hears her deal. Whoa. The truth is she can heal you with a meal. Whoa. Her recipes are remedies for real. If you're impressed, imagine how I feel, mom. With a BAFTA win also in hand, Encanto's now the most likely film to take home the animated feature Oscar. On the acting front, it's looking like Oscar will echo what other races have been delivering in recent weeks. In the lead actress race, it's looking like Jessica Chastain for Searchlight Pictures' The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Here's a quick update on what's working for Tammy. Tammy Faye Baker is going to sing her gospel all around the world. We are going to spread his word. When we were shooting, I got to go into the recording booth, and I knew, like, when singing that, I want to do whatever I can to mimic everything Tammy did. So it's a very different way of singing. Don't give up. You're on the brink Tammy was always at an 11. <laughs> she was never at, like, a 2 where I'm going to, like, dip my toe into this song. She always, like, started out like, I'm here, you know, like she was a full-on belter. People don't give up, you're on the brink of a miracle. Jessica is an amazing singer and does unbelievable singing in, in the movie, but also just the mannerisms. She's giving a performance that's very funny at times and incredibly vulnerable. Okay! <laughs> Jesus, kids are taking me high. 
she embodies the music with real meaning. She's really singing it. That's hard to do. I was so scared. I sang a little bit in college, but I just am so embarrassed singing. I get really self-conscious. I get nervous. I get shy. All the nervousness, I just had to immediately switch it off because Tammy allowed herself to be seen. Unreal. That was a perfect first take. This is so good. She just didn't hide. She lives her life without shame. And I think that's also why so many people are drawn to her because she was just who she was. Jessica Chastain's Best Actress wins thus far include the Critics' Choice and SAG Awards. On the lead actor front, the buzz is all about Will Smith for Warner Brothers' King Richard. Here's a quick scene that explains why. Everybody's going to want to come to my house. Oh, you're just going to be the crazy lady on the block. Oh, I want to be the coolest person on the block. That one has a tennis court. Oh, that's the one then. That's the one. You're going to have any one of these houses you want. Beverly Hills, Hollywood Hills, any of these old hills. Because you got a plan and you're going to stick to it. As a little boy, my mom used to say, son, the most strongest, the most powerful, the most dangerous creature on this whole earth is a woman who know how to think. Ain't nothing she can't do. Y'all know how to think? Yes, Daddy. Now, these people we about to go see, you gonna show them how dangerous you are? Yes, Daddy. Let me see your dangerous face. Uh. Well, that, that's your dangerous face. Dangerous. Uh. Dangerous. That's your dangerous face. That's, okay, don't do that for the people. Thus far, Will Smith's Best Actor wins include the BAFTA, Critics' Choice, and SAG Awards. Next week on Box Office Autopsy, we'll take a last look at this year's Oscar race, which finally wraps up later that day, and we'll see if Paramount's The Lost City open to expectations. So please join us again then, and thanks very much for listening today. Time now for our film flashback look at what was happening in Hollywood right around now, way back then. Let's set today's time travel dial for March 23rd, 1998. Oscar ratings have been sinking ever since 57 million viewers watched Titanic win Best Picture March 23rd, 1998. That telecast was, is, and likely will always be Oscar's top-rated show, unlike last year when just 10.4 million viewers tuned in. Titanic took home 11 Oscars, tying with 1959's Ben-Hur remake for the most Oscar wins ever. The Lord of the Rings The Return of the King joined the club in 2004. 
Titanic was made by 20th Century Fox, which distributed it internationally. Paramount helped Fox manage the film's $200 million budget by paying $65 million for U.S. distribution rights. With reissues, Titanic's gross $2.2 billion worldwide. In 1998, the Academy only had five Best Picture nominees. Unlike today, with ten nominees, the field was small enough then for people to see all the contenders. Academy members had a very different mindset then about what kind of films to celebrate. They didn't think twice about nominating worthy mainstream films for Best Picture. Titanic's four competitors had also been embraced by U.S. moviegoers. Unlike today's mix of mostly smaller films with modest ticket sales, or none at all because they streamed exclusively. Those super Oscar ratings were driven by fans rooting for Titanic, while others cheered for As Good As It Gets, Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt in a romantic comedy drama that did $148.5 million. The Full Monty, Robert Carlyle and Mark Addy in a British comedy drama that expanded after specialized success and did $46 million. Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in a romantic drama that did $138.4 million. And L.A. Confidential, Kevin Spacey and Russell Crowe in a crime mystery that did $64.6 million. Titanic was the first Best Picture winner without a screenwriting nomination since The Sound of Music in 1966. With 14 noms, it was the most Oscar-nominated film with no acting wins. Kate Winslet lost to Helen Hunt for as good. And Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't nominated for Best Actor. Jack Nicholson won for as good. Titanic's 14 noms tied the record set by Best Picture winner All About Eve in 1951. La La Land matched them in 2017, but didn't also win Best Picture, famously losing to Moonlight after a misreading of Who Won. Goodwill and Confidential were strong competitors, each with nine noms. In the end, what mattered most was writer, director, producer, editor James Cameron's vision from the very beginning, when he pitched his project to Fox by calling it Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another box office autopsy next week. In Hollywood for Screen Dollars, I'm Martin Grove. <laughs>